You are listening to Power of Three with podcast hosts Richie Woods and Tom Capone. An artist is one who gives of himself through his works, evoking emotions, ideas, inspiration, and hope. Painting, music, poetry, acting, and dance allow us to feel and think, and when they're done well, they can take us to another world. Academy Award-nominated actor David Paymer is one such artist. His work in television and movies has been nothing short of spectacular. He's versatile and successful, and among the greatest character actors of our time. Lately, you might see him in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel as comedian manager Harry Drake, or as Ernie Falk in I'm Dying Up Here. But you've seen him get blown away by Mel Gibson in Payback, or as the producer in the movie State in Maine. He's been Nixon's press secretary and Reuben Hurricane Carter's lawyer. He produced the scandalous $64,000 question in Quiz Show. He was Billy Crystal's brother Stan Yankelbaum in Mr. Saturday Night, for which he was nominated for his Academy Award. David has directed over 35 different TV shows or series and has also been nominated for multiple Golden Globe and SAG Awards. We are so fortunate to have him spend time with us today on our podcast, The Power of Three. David's from Oceanside. Here he is singing the first line from a song from a play titled Oceanside USA, which was put on in 1961 as a benefit for the Oceanside Library. David's parents wrote and produced the show and its music. Oceanside, it's a town that's wonderful to see. Everything is there, it's beyond compare. It's a place I really want to be. <laughs> well, welcome, David, and thanks for being so gracious. Welcome to the Power of Three podcast with Tom Capone and Richard Woods. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be uh, back in Oceanside. <laughs> in, in a sense, right. You, you are back in Oceanside. Yeah, well, I'm in Santa Monica, California. So. <laughs> well, you know, we are glad that you did uh, share that information with us. This this podcast is coming from, it's originating from two different locations. We are in Oceanside, Richie and I, and you are in Santa Monica. But we are here together. What has brought us together is uh, the belief that people in our community um, all have had opportunities to make differences in the lives of others. And David, um, you certainly have done that. And we're going to touch upon that during the course of, of our conversation. But we thought it would be an appropriate place for us to begin by asking you to tell us about someone who's made a difference in your life. Um, well, gee, there, there are a lot of people who have. And it, it's funny because I was thinking about Oceanside and and thinking about, you know, what helped propel me to uh, follow my dream and be an actor. And um, I certainly think my parents had a lot to do with that. And I'm going to probably talk to you more about them. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, my theater drama coach, teacher, uh, director of all our plays back at Oceanside High School, uh, for me in the early 70s was, was uh, Barry Kaplan. Mm -hmm. And um, as uh, you guys may know, you know, Barry's uh, a pretty unique individual. And um, he instills in his students um, a love of theater and community and sort of building something together. And 
it's sort of a classic story about Barry Kaplan was before each, you know, we, we'd rehearse for three months, uh, fiddle around the roof or whatever show we were doing that year. And I did shows with Barry from ninth grade through 12th grade. Um, but we'd rehearse for months and then we'd have two performances. Um, but it was like the most exciting, you know, weekend of your life. And Barry would always give a speech, uh, before opening night when we were all backstage and he would say, uh, make magic out there, make magic happen. And, um, for me at that age, um, 15 years old, 16 years old, that just really sort of struck me and stayed in my heart. And, you know, it made me feel that I was capable of acting and performing. And it gave me a certain sense of confidence. And uh, I guess I'll always be grateful to Barry Kaplan for that. So David, so David, will you say that it was during one of his speeches to you that it, a very specific time where all of a sudden you realized this is what I want to do with the rest of my life? Well, I, you know, I was in a number of plays uh, from my sophomore year in high school through my senior year. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a growing thing for me because, um, you know, I must have done five, six, seven musicals with Barry Kaplan. Mm -hmm. And, and you said your parents obviously played an important role in encouraging you and supporting you. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that and, and, and those conversations that took place with them that gave you the, you know, that courage to, to take uh, that step that you wanted to take to become an actor? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, um, it's interesting because also involving Oceanside, uh, my dad was a musician and... Um, played the piano, but he also went on to be a doctor of music and um, a musicologist and a teacher of music and a PhD. Um, but back in, and my mother always wanted to be a, an actress and she was a songwriter um, and played the guitar. But uh, back in the early 60s, uh, both my parents would put on shows in Oceanside. And one of them was actually for the public library, which at I think is when they built the, well, maybe there's a newer library now. I think there might be, there is. but there so is. Right around yes. that time in 1961, I think, was that about it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was when the new building, which we, it's been refurbished since, but that new building went up about that time. Yeah. And, um, my, my dad and mom wrote a show called Oceanside USA and it was a musical and, it was about Oceanside. <laughs> Oceanside, it's a town that's wonderful to see. Everything is there. It's beyond compare. It's a place I really want to be. <laughs> and that, was, that was the first verse, I recall. Well, my brother Love and I it. have the tape. It was somewhere. But, um, you know, I used to sit there, and I was about five or six years old at the time, and um, I would see my dad conducting this orchestra that he kind of put together right. and i'd see my mom on stage acting and you know my mouth was agape i mean that's i, I that was like what i wanted to do right. and then of course my parents said to me my mom in particular i remember she said david darling you can do whatever you want to do just don't be an actor <laughs> <laughs> and so even though i usually 
obeyed my mother. Um, I guess I just, uh, you know, had to, well, had passion. to give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, as it turned out, they were both sitting me, sitting next to me when I got um, nominated for an Academy Award. Um, so it, it, it all worked out in the end. I'm sure there was no better feeling to have them right next yeah. to you during that time. That's Absolutely. Great. So Barry Kaplan and, and your parents were certainly influences on you. Um, were there any actors when you were growing up that, that you always felt, you know what, I want to be like this guy? Or anybody come to mind? I'm sure. Yeah, well, um, I would say Pacino, um, because I, I know I saw The Godfather at around that time, and Dustin Hoffman, because I know I saw The Graduate around that time. Um, and I don't know, because they were more like character actors, you know, they weren't traditional leading men, and certainly I was not a traditional leading man. Uh, I guess it made me feel like, Oh wow! There's maybe there's room for me somewhere in this business, and I don't have to necessarily, you know, look like Redford. So, well, nobody does look like Redford anyway. So, well, that's he was one of a kind. I know, David. You, there is a story. Maybe you can share it with us, our listening audience, about the time that you first saw The Graduate. Well, I. <laughs> I kind of used a, a fake ID to get to get into the Coronet movie theater in New York City um, to see the graduate because I think I was fourteen. Mm -hmm. But but and that I think that was even before the rating systems. But uh, you had to be sixteen, mm -hmm. and um, I must confess, I you know, I used a fake uh, ID because <laughs> and I saw the movie like eleven times or something. Wow, that's great. Plastics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, then in college, you also were involved in theater, too. You went to college and you studied psychology and you also majored in theater, right? Uh, you wound up in Michigan. How did that go in college? Yeah, I ended up uh, going to University of Michigan because uh, in Ann Arbor, I like the school, but I... Um, I wanted to get a double major, and I guess at the time it was harder to find a school that would do that for me. So Michigan gave me a double major in theater and, uh, and psych, yeah. And did you get good roles while you were in college too? Um, yeah, I mean, I probably not as good as, <laughs> as the ones yeah. that Barry Kaplan gave me. Right. But um, yeah, I did Cyrano de Bergerac, and I, I, I didn't play the lead, sorry. I right. had the nose... <laughs> But I did not play the lead at the time. Um, I did Jacques Brel and musicals like that. And but I, I did realize that I was getting good parts in college, and it made me say, like, well, wait a minute, I, I got good parts in high school, and they're still offering me decent parts in college. So maybe there's something to this. Maybe I should keep, you know, give this a shot. Right. So that I, I guess. It, it added to the sense that uh, maybe this was a path, a pathway that would work out for me. Right. And then you started your professional career um, with an open call for the touring of Greece. You want to tell us a little bit about how that went? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the show Greece, not the country. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I really, I was 
when I graduated from Michigan, I didn't have an actor's equity card, and uh, I just started auditioning through the trade papers. Um, at the time, they were Variety and Showbiz, mm -hmm. I think. And um, there was an open call for the show, the touring company of the show, Grease. And I just went to the open call, and I kept getting called back. You had to do like a ballad, an up-tempo, and the scene. Mm -hmm. And I kept getting called back, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. And then the final callback was the dance. Wow. Uh, <laughs> the dance audition part of it and you know i have to tell you greece they they used to have the logo the dancing is show in town um yeah. greece and um i couldn't dance <laughs> i even barry kaplan would tell you that i i just you know it wasn't i i couldn't do it i wasn't very good but you got through um, obviously well i and but after the dance audition, in which I just kind of faked it, I huh. I really went I went home, and I I just put the covers over my head and I said I blew it I blew my one chance, and then nothing happened for like a week, and I was really despondent. And about a week later, the phone rang, and it was um, the Theater Now Management uh, Company that ran the uh, Greece and the National Touring Company, and they said uh, you start in uh in august wow and that was you know that was back in <laughs> the during the punic wars <laughs> david maybe you can describe for us what, what how do you feel or what do actors feel when they are auditioning They're, you're standing up there and what how do you are you able to concentrate and function and deliver to deliver lines the way that need to be delivered uh, in order to get a role what what is that like well, it can. It certainly can be nerve-wracking, absolutely. And um, I mean, even still to this day, I mean, to, uh, I will say sometimes I have to audition. Still, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Other times I get offers, but um, but even, you know, even after all I've done, if I have to read for something, I still get the jitters. And um, it, it, you know, it, part of it is in the way an actor prepares, and if you're actually playing the scene. And if you're trying to fill, fulfill the objective of the scene as an actor, mm -hmm. um, then that should keep you concentrated and focused on your need as an actor. Mm -hmm. And everything else, the fact that the director is sitting out there and, you know, maybe there's a lot of money at stake or, you know, it's a big opportunity. That's right. what we call actors. We call that actors' considerations. And you shouldn't <laughs> think about that. You should just right. play the scene. Yeah. Um, Takes a I've lot taught of acting too. I've taught acting too, and that's what I tell my students. Mm -hmm. So it uh, it sometimes works, but it, it is a it is a question of knowing the role and knowing why you're up there. And you know, I I actually think my best auditions were always the ones that I never really remembered what I did mm -hmm. because I was so in the moment. You were in the zone. Yeah, I was in the zone, and I didn't have that outside eye looking at myself. And becoming self-conscious, I just mm -hmm. did it. So, wow. David, is it, um, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's Rich. all right. But so then, after Greece, the touring Greece, you wound up on Broadway. How did that happen? Well, um, you know, the touring company, in a way, was like a, a minor league 
I, we weren't minor in terms of the production values, but uh, you know, it was sort of a farm team for the uh, for the Broadway show. And I'd been doing the tour for about nine months and playing, you know, playing big cities, Boston and Philly and Chicago. And um, then I got a call and the guy playing my role, I was playing Sonny Lattieri, the guy playing my role uh, decided to quit. <laughs> so um, they offered me the role on Broadway. And... Um, I was ready to do it. And how many years did you do it on Broadway? Was it two years? It was two years on Broadway, plus plus the tour, yeah. Wow. So I was a greaser for almost three years. And then, and then after Greece, you had the confidence and you felt really good, and that's when you made the decision to travel out west and try the shot at Hollywood? Yeah, well, you know, I did, when I was in New York, uh, doing Grease on Broadway, I auditioned for a movie called The In-Laws, and this would be the original In-Laws, not the remake, right. um, with uh, Alan Arkin uh, and Peter Falk in the lead roles. Mm -hmm. And I, I got this little part of a taxi cab, New York taxi cab driver in The In-Laws, and... Um, I, maybe you've seen it, but it's like a five-minute yeah, scene with, sure. with yep. Peter Falk. Yeah, and um, I, I used that as my kind of jumping-off point, and I said, now I'm going to go to Los Angeles. Right. And then when they say, well, well what, have you, what have you been doing? I say, well, I was just on Broadway, and I just had a movie release. What have you been doing? <laughs> um, so I, you know, I used that as a calling card, and I, I, I got a photo from the movie, of me and Peter Falk, and I sent uh, like car, you know, postcards to no email postcards <laughs> to uh, four hundred agents and casting directors. Right, and I heard back from two, <laughs> and one of them uh, became my agent and was my agent for the next thirty-four years until wow. she passed away. Oh, so. Okay. Um, her name was Susan Smith, by the way. But uh, she was a wonderful agent, and that's kind of how I ended up in L.A. What, what was it that she saw in you, David, that, uh, <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, she, you know, what was the connection, the impetus behind that, or she was just happy to, to have you as her her client? No, she was, a, I mean, she was a pretty, she was a pretty hot agent at the time, I, and I was, very grateful that she was interested. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, Greece was very popular then. The movie had just come out, and um, there were a lot of TV pilots, of, you know, similarly themed about, you know, happy days or 50s stuff or just gangs, you know, right. the warriors, mm -hmm. the wanderers, the, you know, New York gang. Right. Not, you know, that kind of 1950s kind of thing. So, I don't know. She might have seen opportunity there, but mm -hmm. she, you know, she thought I was good in the movie, I guess. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. Great. And you spent that time with your brother, Stephen. Um, you, did you go out together or did Stephen go out first and you uh, met him? Steve was out here f uh, about a year before I was. Right. Um, and I can, this was like in 79, I guess we're talking about. So that's 40 years ago. God. 
Wow. Um, but yes, yeah, Steve was out here, and and uh, we're 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 good brothers from Oceanside. We lived together in Los Angeles for the first uh, I don't know two years that I was here. Two and Steve is the business, also, right? Steve uh, worked as yeah, a Steve, writer and an actor. Yeah, Steve has um, written a lot of sitcoms and produced sitcoms like Roseanne and. Um, uh, Mad about you, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that, and he's. But he's also acted. Um, he was a series. He had a series called Boston Common back in the nineties, right? And more recently, he's been on Will and Grace uh, oh. a few times, quite a few oh. times. Mm -hmm. The new Will and Grace. Uh, yeah, both oh, actually, wow. but but yeah, he's on the new one too. Cool. So, um, how so, is yeah, how we, is it living and working with your brother? And did you ever collaborate with your brother? Yeah, we did. We we uh, wrote screenplays together um, when I first moved to Los Angeles, mm -hmm. um, and we also did st uh, stand up comedy together. My brother's a great impressionist, so we used to we used to do that. And um, is there any, we also uh, is there I, I, I want to let me just say this. I because yeah. um, later on I started directing, and the first thing I directed was a short called Candor City Hospital that was for Showtime and my brother wrote it and I directed it so it was wow that was really a nice Pamer Brothers production that's great yeah I was wondering if there was any surviving video of you and your brother doing stand-up comedy no unfortunately yeah. <laughs> no I there is none that I know of <laughs> so David you said you and your brother were, were doing stand-up and uh, how much improv were you doing not not really i mean i i never i didn't go for the groundlings or second city um i mean i would have liked to i love that stuff i thought i'd I seen somewhere that you were involved in some improv i think it might have said that i performed at the improv okay. uh, at oh. the improv yeah okay, um yeah. right that's where we do we do our stand-up act but it wasn't okay. in, you know, it, it wasn't improv in nature it, like okay. uh you know, I'm going to be a butterfly now, and <laughs> whatever. Well, <laughs> going to the dentist. Um, well, anyway, so my my question was going to be that followed that improv piece. Um, how much leeway do directors give you in terms of strictly, you know, sticking to the the script, or giving you that that freedom to sort of do some improv? Does that happen a lot, or not at all, or it depends on the director? Yeah, I w it depends totally on the director. Um, you know, it's it's like I've I've worked for David Mamet a few times, and mm -hmm. David's dialogue is brilliantly blunt. And um, that's stayed in Maine, right? Is that did he do stayed in Maine? Yes, he did stayed yeah. in Maine, and I did a, a movie. Of, it's such uh, fast talking and fast yeah. moving. It's it's fun to watch. Yeah. But I, the way he writes his dialogue is he talks like, here's the thing. Here's the th th, dot, dot, dot. Here's the thing. I want to, I want to, I want to tell you, but all of them will be written out like that, like <laughs> in, incomplete sentences. Um, and I, when I was rehearsing State in Maine, I had this long monologue and I rehearsed, you know, I memorized it verbatim. And then when I got to set, I was sort of trying to do it verbatim, and it was somehow not feeling organic. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mamet came up to me and he said, I said, Dave, I'm just trying to do it the way, you know, it's written. He, he said, oh, don't worry about that. Don't, just, <laughs> just have fun, you know? <laughs> so That's even great. someone like Mamet, who you would think, oh, my God, you got to be... Really? You know, he was he was very chill about the whole thing, and wow. um, and he's a he's a wonderful, a wonderful friend, a wonderful guy. Um, but there are other, you know, there are other times when you're say in a comedy or doing a sitcom where the exact phraseology of a line is very important, and you might have a writer or a director who's really married to something who does not want to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I, I've encountered both. David, you've been involved in uh, movies that are uh, comedies and dramas. Um, is, is it true that they say that comedy is more difficult than drama in terms of you know being an actor and, and bring whatever you bring to that particular role? Um, yeah, I mean, well, I guess it just depends on where your sensibilities uh, are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they they do say that comedy is harder and uh i guess it just depends on the material for me mm-hmm. well one of the things that rich and i talked about that we wanted to ask about was your uh connection to the movie uh, city slickers and and you're working with billy crystal what can, what can you tell us about that experience well as probably everyone knows by now billy grew up in long beach Right. And, you know, a lot of the places, well, from, you know, from Oceanside in the 50s and 60s, like the Texas Ranger or the old original Nathan's Mm -hmm. or um, Pete's Clam Bar, you know, they they were, Billy shared that. Of the three, I'm sorry, Pete's is still there. Peter's Clam Bar is the only one that remains of the three that you just mentioned. Well, is there a fast food Nathan's where the yeah not like what you remembered? And it's not in the same spot. It's down yeah. the block now by yeah. Merle Avenue School. Yeah. It's a oh, little it's teeny place now. They don't have the game room even anymore. Oh, really wow. changed. Yeah. changed for the worse. <laughs> yeah, hmm. yeah. Because I used to work at Kitty Land right next to the uh, old Nathan's, uh-huh. the amusement park. Yeah, the little Kitty Land amusement yeah, park. Sure. Yeah. So you and Billy used but, to um, share, compare notes about growing up? Oh, oh yeah. Um, well, I, I think that helped, you know, that helped sort of um, get, we had something in common. Um, but Billy, he's just been a, a great friend and a generous director and writer and actor to work with. Um, but the thing is, we for City Slickers, we had to learn how to ride a horse, you know? Um, so there was a lot of time before we started filming where we would go horseback riding together. I mean, the whole, the whole gang kind of, um, me and Bruno Kirby and Danny Stern, Billy, uh, Helen Slater. Uh, and that was great. And really it wasn't like so much that we had to ride, uh, well, because in the movie we're all like klutzes and city <laughs> slickers right. but we had to know we mostly had to like be able to get the horse to hit to hit his mark you know <laughs> so that after after a take the horse you wouldn't like the horse wouldn't run away with you or something so. <laughs> um but anyway bill you know while we were shooting 
Mr. Uh, rather, City Slickers, uh, Billy was writing Mr. Saturday Night. Mm -hmm. And um, while he was writing it, he was thinking, you know, I, th I think maybe David Paymer could play my brother. And he never told me that, which is the smartest thing he ever did. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure if whatever he saw in me, um, it would have changed if he said, you know, I'm writing the script. I think it might be right for it. Right. I I'm sure my behavior would have been like, Oh, hi, Billy. How's the script? <laughs> <laughs> you know? or, do you think I look better from this profile? Or the other um, and then about it, it was almost a year later, City Slickers had just been released and was a, a hit. And and Billy was prepping uh, Mr. Saturday Night. And then I went in and I read for Billy uh, a few times. Um, and the very last time was like a callback for studio you know studio execs and um i didn't feel it went well and i went home and billy said uh, you know i, I think it was i remember it was the july 4th weekend and billy said listen i'm not going to make up my mind until after the weekend so you know just don't worry about it and i went home and i said to my wife um i blew it i damn it i blew it i I just, I, I was kind of like dancing for Greece. I felt on the road. Right, right, right. And um, then, the, then the phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was, Dave, it's Billy. How'd you like to be my brother? <laughs> and he apparently didn't bother waiting for the weekend. And I jumped up and down, and I called my mother and my father and all my friends and hugged my wife and, oh, my God, and, then about a half hour later, the phone rang again, and I hear, Dave, it's Billy. Did someone just call pretending to be me? <laughs> no way. That's and I, I had this, I've told this story before, but I had this, like, you know, this brief, like, heart attack. Um, oh, that's you know, just that's thinking, classic. Thinking that I had touched the mountaintop, and then all of a sudden... Like it was some horrible, uh, you know, mistake. So, but I, 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 you know, I truly believe that was like, and then Billy said, you see what I did there? I made you think that you didn't get the part that you really did, <laughs> which was kind of like his buddy Young's signature line right. yeah. character yeah. In, in, the, in the movie, you see yeah. what I did. So that was my first direction from Billy. <laughs> wow. So Mr. Saturday Night, is that an understatement to say that it changed your life or, or did it was it transformative um, for you as an actor uh, no I, no it absolutely did and i'm you know really fortunate and i mean you know you can an actor can only like you can do your work whether it's in acting class or you know in, in auditions or in plays or in workshops and what that's all supposed to do, aside from hopefully getting you a job, is preparing you so that when the big opportunity arises, you're ready. Mm -hmm. And um, they, they, I, I, I think I was fortunate in that I'd been like a journeyman actor, you know, for 15 years out here. So I, I was, pre I think I was prepared to be able to play that role. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and it was. Uh, 
Yeah, it was a role, the role of a lifetime for me. At, at any point during rehearsal and, and filming of it, did you realize, you know, this is, this is really special. We're really onto something. And any time did you feel that? I, I, yeah, I did. There was, you know, there was just a lot of love and a lot of uh, just camaraderie and laughs and fun. I mean, there were long hours because Billy and I were in uh, old age makeup, right. uh, which which I no longer need. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, you know, we were in the makeup chair for like five and a half hours. Wow. So, yeah. What a way so it's, it's a wonderful way to start the day every day. Yeah. Well, no, our first day of shooting, I had a 2.30 a.m. makeup call oh, because gosh. we were shooting the Central Park scenes right. when we were old and, uh, we, you know, we, we were going to run out of daylight. So we had to start shooting at 8 a.m. and got dark at 5 and because um, it was in the fall. And so we had to be in the makeup chair at two thirty to be ready for an eight o'clock uh, camera call. Mm -hmm. And so you're nominated for an Academy Award for that film. How did it feel to be in the same category with people like Jack Nicholson, Gene Hackman, and Al Pacino? I mean, you mentioned Al Pacino as being someone who influenced you, and now there you I'm are. Next <laughs> you're in his category as nominated for best uh, supporting actor. How did that feel? Yeah, it was totally surreal. It, it really was um, to to be in in that company and and uh, you know Gene Hackman and Nicholson and Pacino and you know they were like my idols. And right. To it, it didn't it didn't really seem real, totally real. Um, and I just had a, I just had a ball. It was a it was a wonderful evening and as i said my parents were there and my brother was there and you know it was just one of those special nights you'll never forget right. um and to answer your previous question i mean it, it did change my life in a you know what's what's wonderful about it um it, it's sort of like getting your passport stamped in the business right. it's kind yeah. of like being invited to eat at the grown-ups table. <laughs> and you've, been, you've been eating at the kids' table right. for, you know, for a while. And, um, and you know, suddenly directors like Spielberg and Redford and Mamet and Soderbergh and Sam Raimi and Oliver Stone, they wanted me to be in their movies. Wow, that's, that's it, something. That really is. I mean, and that, you know, that I'm not saying that never happened. I had done films before in smaller roles mostly, but um, to have those big league directors want want me was, you know, it just showed me, uh oh, things are different. Yeah, David, are there going to be any any future collaborations um, between you and Billy Crystal? Oh, uh, we talk all the time, and uh, we talk about things all the time. Um, I mean, not right now that I know of. Mm -hmm. I um, I saw in the paper today, I think it was, that Billy Crystal is thinking about bringing Mr. Saturday Night to Broadway. Oh, okay. So I didn't I, know that was in the paper. It was either in the paper or I saw it on my phone. Um, when I looked at, I look at the news on my phone.
think I saw it either place, but I just saw it today. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, there's uh, there's truth to that. I, mm -hmm. I wasn't sure how much. Well, there's truth to that. But okay. uh, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah. Yeah, Billy is always. Um, you know, he's he's always coming up with uh, a new idea or a new way of doing right. an old idea. Yeah. So. I saw his, his one-act play on Broadway. I love that. Oh, it was great. Yeah. R really great. You mentioned these directors, David, that you've had the, the good fortune to be working with. Um, talk a little bit about your experience as a director. You've done some direction. How do you like that role? Uh, whether it's in television or movies or uh, yeah I um, starting in about well when I did that short film with my brother Candor mm -hmm. City Hospital that was like 02 or 03 I think mm -hmm. and I used that short film as sort of a calling card and I um, I did a lot of episodic uh, directing um, and I directed shows like Grey's Anatomy and the Mentalist and Brothers and Sisters with Sally Field and uh, the unit which David Mamet created um, and also a show called Medium that Glenn Karen, who I don't know if you guys remember remember Glenn yeah sure but he was yeah he was also in Barry's productions and mm -hmm. I did Mame with him right <laughs> now, it's funny you say that Tom and I actually when we were kids we saw all these shows right. uh, as a little bit younger than you but um my oldest sister and and tom's oldest sister was in the high well, they were both in the high school my sister was in the play so you know we had the pleasure of seeing you in all those plays when we were young in junior high of the roles that you've had are there any well i'm assuming that mr saturday night is near and dear to your heart um well i would i'm gonna guess that might be the number one role but i'll let you say that but are there other roles that you, you really, really enjoyed um, in your career? Um, yes. I I love the movie Quiz Show that, um, yeah. that Redford directed. Uh -huh. And actually, Charles Van Doren, who was, yeah. you know, he just passed yeah, away. He was 93. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was just such a great experience. I, I mean, Redford was such a a kind and collaborative director mm -hmm. you know he i mean we had great actors we had ray fines and john turturro and rob morrow um uh, paul schofield mm -hmm. man for all seasons mm -hmm. um and you know redford just he loves actors and he i remember once we had finished well we had finished about three quarters of shooting the movie and and Redford had a rough cut. And this was before, like, um, DVDs even. Right. Um, and Redford said, uh, I'm going to uh, screen the rough cut. Uh, you know, mm. you guys want to look at it? You know, right. and he, just, he, he just let us, like all the actors in. Most directors would keep actors away from, you know, dailies and away from any sort of rough cut of a movie because... The, you know, they think the actor will get all neurotic and change their performance, right. which is probably true. <laughs> um, we trusted you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I, I just love working with, and I think that film is, it was nominated for Best Picture that mm -hmm. year. It was, it was a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. How about actors so. that you've enjoyed working with a lot? Well, I did, you know, I got to work with Pacino also um, in uh, a movie called City Hall. Right. Mm -hmm. And also in Ocean's 13. Right. right. Uh, and then I recently did a, a reading with him here in L.A. And he's just he's just such a lovely guy. David, uh, for young actors just starting out, um, is there any advice that you could provide for them as they begin their uh, acting career? Well, I, you know, I, you really got to love it. You really got to love it. Mm -hmm. Um, because there are hills and valleys and there are good times and rough times. Um, but I also feel if that's your dream, you got to follow your dream. Mm -hmm. You got to at least, you know, investigate your dream. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I would also say, because in some ways I think it's even harder now than it was for me, um, so I would say follow your dream, but have a backup plan. Right. <laughs> you know, right. and I mean, I did a lot of things. I, I'm known primarily as an actor, but I, yeah, I've directed a lot of television. I've written, I've taught acting. So I, I tried to put, you know, when I was a young actor, I tried to put myself in a position where I wasn't just an actor waiting, waiting for that one role. You know, I, I was always busy. Mm -hmm. creatively and you know i taught acting that helped me financially i did things like that so um i just think it's it's important to be able to do a few things that may be related to acting or entertainment but but don't you know don't just give yourself that that one trick you know mm -hmm. david you've had a very successful career and, and and you can attribute a lot of that success to a number of the people that you've mentioned but uh, maybe you want to take a minute to mention your wife. Also, you've been married a number of years, and I'm sure that she has been very much a part of the uh, the success that you've enjoyed over the, the course of your career. Oh, absolutely. My wife's name is Liz, and uh, we've been married 30 years. I can't believe it. Uh. And um, she's been wonderful. I mean, she's. we have two daughters who are, who are grown. They're they're uh, 24 and 19 years old and um, you know we've got a, we're very proud of our girls and our family and um, you know I have to say when I auditioned for Mr. Saturday Night I said to Liz because um, she was helping me prepare and I said I'm not going to get this role you know there's no way I'm, you know I, it's going to go to Bruno Kirby or someone you know robin williams or someone famous or, mm -hmm. and uh she said david you can get this role stop stop doing that to yourself right, right. and it, it really i don't know she she put me over the top let's put it that way oh, so she's amazing. been a great a great partner and you, as um as a family it, it's it's something that in hollywood we don't see too much or at least from what we read in the paper, but it, it seems that having a wife for 30 years and uh, a, 
a stable family is something that we don't see all that much in Hollywood. How have you been able to manage that balance between family and work? Well, you know, uh, I've, I've had to be on location a lot and I kind of made a rule, you know, pretty much for myself, but I would tell my agent and try to schedule certain things, certain ways. And I basically, I would never be away from home more than two weeks. I mean, mm -hmm. I would go to somewhere for two weeks and then, but then I'd make sure that I'd carve out three days that I could come back home. Right. And then I'd go off again if I was in the middle of a movie. But, um, and then I, when the kids were younger, you know, I, we'd fly them to location and have them there. And we, we just stayed as tight and close as, as possible. I was never one of those actors that was like partying all night or, mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, going, I don't know, going to lavish premieres all the time. I mean, I've gone to my share of premieres, but it was all, it was all, always most important that I get home, especially for birthdays. Right. And you don't, most daughters look up to their dads, but I can only imagine what your daughters were thinking when they would watch you act. And there must have been so exciting and fun for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they had a blast. Um, you know, of course, one of their favorite movies that I did was a movie called Carpool. With Tom Arnold. Yeah. But, I say, well, wait a minute. Quiz show is pretty good too. No, no, no. It's carpool, Dad. Carpool's yeah. on. Well, carpool um, was pretty funny though. It was. Okay, like that. Which leads to the question, David: How how easy or how difficult is it working with kids in a movie? In a movie, well, um, you know, they. I mean, they they're. Let me rephrase it. <laughs> It can be difficult, but I there's always people on set really who are sort of helping out with that. I I guess when I was directing and and uh, really working with like really young kids, like four or five year olds, right? Um, that can be really, you know, it, it mm. can that can be uh, trying. Yeah. But um, I, it was I, mean, I wasn't like W. C. Fields or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Never worked with children or dogs. It wasn't that. Um, and there was always an uh, on-set teacher and uh, and a stage mom that was close by. So, David, I, oh, I'm sorry. I have a question regarding something that's uh, really caught the um, imagination of many people the last year or so, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, it's been a wonderful program emmy winning program and you were on that show did you have any idea when you first read the script that it was going to be as special as it is well i i thought the pilot well you know what i i didn't because it hadn't it hadn't aired yet so mm -hmm. i didn't i i guess one of the wonderful things about that show is i mean aside from the great performances but the production design and the production values are just phenomenal and yeah, i guess you guys being from new york and you know knowing what the city looked like right yeah at least in the early 60s mm -hmm. and through the 60s mm -hmm. and um 
I mean, they've just recreated late 1950s New York. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. But I, I guess I didn't think it would take off the way it has. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, really, it's really cool. Yeah. How about the reaction that people have to you when they see you in public? Um, what are some things that people have said, maybe some funny things over the years? And have you had any problem with paparazzi over the years? Um, I wouldn't say problem, no. Um, I kind of feel that I get the best of both worlds, you know. Um, I mean, it's it's gratifying when people come up to me uh, on the street or in a restaurant or in a store and, you know, and then they say, oh, you're David Pamer. Uh, you know, I loved you in, you know, City Slickers or uh, Payback with Mel Gibson or, or you know, Quiz Show, whatever. Right. Um but often, often I get like, uh, who are you? <laughs> no. I know you. Where, where do I know did you we go to, Did we go to camp together? <laughs> Was it, did you used to work at this law firm? <laughs> um, That's great. So, and, you know, I, I guess I, I, I get to live anonymously. And then I also occasionally get the, uh, you know, the star treatment. But, um I'm, I don't know. I'm still that kid from Oceanside. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is gratifying to know, and I know that your show is more about that than, than uh, me, really. It's, it's gratifying to know that my work um, touches people in some way. And, uh, I, you know, I've, I've had people come up to me and sing the hello song <laughs> from a movie called Crazy, Crazy People. Crazy People, sure. Yeah, that was a comedy right. with Dudley Moore back in the late eighties, sure. and um, and then I've you know so I know I can make them laugh, and mm -hmm. I mean it's a cliche, but I I can I, to know that I can also because people will come up to me after Mister Saturday Night and said, oh my God, I you know your relationship with your brother with right. Billy, it, it was it's just like the relationship I had, right. and these aren't necessarily like. Jewish people or white people or they're, right. you know, all colors and right. persuasions. And mm -hmm. they say it, that movie really got to me because, because of that relationship. So I, you know, it's, it's a good feeling to know that when you do the work and you, and you work hard and, and you put it out there and then you go to your next job, but it's, it's, it means a lot to know that you're affecting people. And hopefully in a good way. Right. You're an artist that's done a, a great job and you have affected people um, and touched so many different people and in such so many good ways. And that's that's why we really were very happy that you agreed to be a part of our conversation uh, tonight because of the impact that you have had through your work. And I'm going to quote Barry Kaplan, something you said at the very beginning of our conversation together. You make magic happen. Through your work, oh. you have certainly. Well, thank you, thank you very much. That's yeah. very and, kind. And where, and maybe a little bit about the future now. What, uh, what's the, on the horizon for David Paymer in the near future or long term future? Well, I, I'm, I'm still at it, and I, uh, you know, I'm actually going to do another uh, Mrs. Maisel in early May. Uh, which uh, is going to be for their third season. Mm -hmm. And I'm supposed to do another one in August. So uh, 
you know, on that show, we're never, we're never quite sure where it's going. So they don't, they certainly don't tell me in advance. Um, so, I, so I guess I couldn't that. ask that question then. <laughs> well, I don't know. I haven't seen the script. I haven't seen the script yet. Um, so I'm going to do that. And um, I just completed a series in, um, in New Orleans, and it's called On Becoming a God in Central Florida, uh -huh. which is an interesting title. And that's for Sony. Um, and that actually takes place in the 90s, and it's sort of about the um, herbal life kind of pyramid scheme type things. And I, mm -hmm. I play a, a bad guy, <laughs> a bad guy. Yeah. Do you like playing a bad guy? Well, they're, you know, they're fun. Yeah. They're, um, you know, they're very juicy and rich. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if you, the, the key is not to put a judgment on your character, even if he's the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? You don't, as the actor, you don't see him as the bad guy. You see him as totally, totally justified and whatever. Well, you did a great job in the, as the bad guy in line of fire. That's for sure. Yes. As the monster. Yes. <laughs> Yes, David Paymer is a mobster. That's <laughs> what a what a concept. Yeah, we um, pulled it off very it. well. We did it. Well, thank you. We did. I keep a crowbar with me <laughs> now, Richie. So be careful. <laughs> uh, well, David, this has been a pleasure for both Richie and for me, and we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your very busy schedule to be a part of our Power of Three podcast. But this has been so enjoyable, and we thank you. Thank you for well being so gracious so patient and and for uh the interview tonight but also thank you for uh all the work that you've done and all the people that you've touched uh throughout your acting career and through your lifetime thanks david okay thank you both guys it's really been a pleasure and um please send my regards and my love to all the folks in oceanside we will do that david well, thank, thank you. you be well okay Take care. Bye -bye. thanks bye-bye Bye-bye. I'd like to re remind you, our Power of Three listeners, that you can contribute to the overtime episode by submitting questions or comments to the voice message feature at anchor.fm or our email rtwtmc at gmail.com. Thank you.